we are Centrepoint Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, my name is Chris and I lead the church here and I just want to add my welcome to you along, along with Phil's already. I love it when we gather together uh, during the week and on a Sunday morning. And we're in uh, week two of a three-part mini-series which we've called We Are Centrepoint Church. And um, over these three weeks, we're looking at different occasions in the Bible where pe- the people of God have come together to give free will offerings, to give financially to the, to the work of uh, the church and the things that are going on. And so last week, we looked at how people in Exodus came to, bu- to give financially to building the tabernacle. Uh, next week, we're going to look about how uh, Macedonian church came to give financially to giving to the poor and serving the poor. And this week, we're looking at the Philippian church and how they came to give financially to extending the mission, uh, to doing outreach and, and spreading the name of Jesus across. And the reason why we're looking at those three things is because we as a church are also in the season of raising money in order to do those things. And last week I talked about how the the money that we raise is going to be used towards building the church and extending all that we currently do as a church. And uh, next week I'll tell you how we're going to give away 10% of everything that we receive. We're going to give it to the poor and we're going to serve the poor. And then this week I'm going to tell you a little bit about how we're going to extend our mission and and what can we do over this year as a church in, in, in order to outreach into our community. And so... I just want to let you know that's coming up. And just like last week, I'd like to start off by saying that if you're a guest, if, you're, if you don't consider Centrepoint your home, then I want to completely release you from any kind of pressure or burden to give. Uh, you are completely released from that. You know, it's, it's, this is not for you. I just want you to enjoy, relax, enjoy this morning, hear about what we're doing and uh, just have a good time. Be relaxed. And actually, I want to extend that to every single person, however long you've been part of Centrepoint for actually and uh, just like last week I mentioned that this is this is a free will offering and uh, last week we looked in Exodus how they came and it was only if they were eight, like willing and if their heart had been moved and this week we will see it's exactly the same um, that this isn't you know this is it's open all right it's, it's free will and so I don't want you to feel any pressure to give if you don't want to of course, if your heart stirs you and you want to give, then you'll be more than welcome to. Uh, we don't always do this. Uh, we don't always do a special offering. In fact, the last time we did this was uh, 10 years ago. And amazingly, we raised £11,000. And it was great because it helped us to, to just, um, I guess, move forward, increase our capacity as a church. And it's great to be doing it again. And it's also good to talk about money because the Bible and Jesus especially have a lot to say about money. Uh, Jesus put it like this, that where your money is, that's where your heart will also be. And uh, I think it's a good indicator for, for faith and where we are. In fact, someone else put it like this. The greatest statement of faith is your bank statement. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, 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 as you look through the Bible, you look through biblically, uh, you just see many, many areas in which uh, faith and our finances come together. And, and it's always challenging and it helps us to see where our heart is. Over these weeks, we're not talking about regular giving, uh, which the Bible encourages us to do out of a proportion of our income. Um, but we're talking about these one-off free will special offerings. And uh, I'm going to unpack more about today's one. 
So with all of that in mind, today we're specifically looking at extending the mission and how there is an abundance of joy to be found in that. And so um, I want to look at how there's joy to be found in Jesus, in living for him, in following him, and in giving our lives to him. And, and that includes in giving financially to him. And so we're going to be speaking from the book of Philippians. And so if you've got that, do turn to it. And uh, it'd be good actually for you to have it open because we're going to float through the four chapters of Philippians. And um, just to give you a bit of background, Philippians is a letter from Paul and Timothy to the church in a place called Philippi. Um, and that he... Paul and Timothy, who've kind of written this letter together, they are thanking the Philippian church for how they have given uh, to them financially so that they can extend the mission of the gospel. They can tell people about Jesus. And um, so this church, they've given financially, and this is a letter, it's a response from Paul to them for that. And Paul is really thankful. He's thankful that the giving of the Philippian church has enabled the good news to advance, for lives to be transformed, for the gospel to reach further into community, and for the poor to be cared for. And it's exactly what we're doing here at Centrepoint Church. And so I love to look through this book. Throughout the letter, Paul does talk on lots of different topics. He doesn't just talk about finances, but for the purposes of today, we'll, we'll look at some of the key things that I think relate to, to, to today's special offering. And so we're going to do that by looking at joy, how we can have joy in chains, joy in our unity, joy in the gospel, and how all of that wells up to joy in giving. So they're the four things we're going to look at this morning. So let's start off with joy in chains, because at the time of writing, I'm holding this because like, I'm so used to clicking. It's coming. Sean uh, t- yeah, assures me it's coming. Joy in chains. At the time of writing, Paul is actually in prison. Uh, he's in prison at the time, and Paul and Timothy, they start off their letter thanking the Philippians for partnering in, with them in the gospel, and the Philippians must have been a bit concerned about Paul, and so he's trying to reassure them, and in chapter 1, verse 12, he says this, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, being in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. You're thinking, what? You're in prison? How has that served to advance the gospel? Well, he goes on. As a result of me being in prison, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You think, how does you being in prison because you're proclaiming the gospel give others confidence to continue proclaiming the gospel? Well, hey, there's an abundant joy to be found. And Paul is telling us right from uh, the outset that when we become a Christian, there are things in life that from the outside look hard and ridiculous and tough, and often they are. But he says that wherever we are, whatever life circumstances are being thrown our way, whether they are our own fault or whether they're not, whether they are self-inflicted or not, that when we put our trust in Jesus, when we live for him, even in those moments, we can know him. We can know that God has, is with us and he's not given up on us and that he who has started a good work in us will follow on to completion, which is what verse 6 says in, in chapter 1. And um, not only that, but the things that we go through, they can actually serve to advance the gospel. And so really what he's saying is that wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, you can only worship God in that situation. Paul was a prisoner, and so he could only relate and witness and share the gospel with other prisoners. He couldn't, he couldn't do that somewhere else. 
As a result of him being put in prison, it became clear, it says, to all the palace guards that he was in chains for Christ um, because he was proclaiming this gospel. In fact, there's another occasion when he's in prison, this time not with Timothy, but with a guy called Silas. And um, Timothy, uh, sorry, Paul, Paul and Silas were in prison, and it talks about it in Acts chapter 16. They've been flogged and beaten, they're put in prison, and they're singing hymns and they're worshipping, and all the other prisoners are listening. And then what happens is that suddenly there's a violent earthquake, and earth, yeah, earthquake, and it shakes, it shakes everything. All the foundations are shaken. All the prison doors fly open. All their uh, shackles come undone, and the jailer wakes up, sees that everything's open, and he's thinking, "Oh man, all the prisoners are going to leave." And so he goes to draw his sword. And in verse 28 of Acts chapter 16, Paul shouts out and says, "No, no, don't harm yourself. Don't do that." Um, we're all here. And the jailer called for lights. Back then, they didn't have light switches, so he had to call. Someone get the candles. Called for lights. And they, he came in. They could see all the prisoners there. And he, it says he fell at his feet, trembling. Because he really... The God, I mean, you guys, I know you're Christians, and I've heard you singing in prison. This obviously has had an effect on you that you haven't left. And so he, he bows down. He's like, what must I do to know Jesus? What must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. That's it. You don't have to do anything. You just believe. Believe in Jesus and you can know this joy. And then he goes on and that jailer goes away and everyone in the family end up believing in Jesus and the, and the whole place is filled with joy. It's just an amazing, incredible story about how in desperate circumstances, it's in that place that we can worship God. And I wonder, what circumstances are you in this morning? Maybe you're a single mum. Maybe you're divorced, maybe you're widowed, maybe you've got a tough work environment, maybe you're in education and it feels like prison, maybe, maybe you are in prison right now and you're just here on day release, I don't know. Maybe you're going through all sorts of different situations and you know what, Paul says, hey, you can know joy, you can know God with you. We were singing this morning, weren't we, blessed be your name. Uh, you give and take away, and yeah, I'm going to sing, blessed be your name. And in fact, I, I, it's the first time I've noticed it. There's, there's a line in there, in one of the verses, that says, though there's pain in the offering. I thought, ah, oh, isn't that interesting for today? Because it might be that the desperate circumstance you are in is in your finances. Maybe your finances just feel like a train to you. Maybe you're facing real hardship with your, in your situation with your money. And do you know what? Just as Paul could only worship in the place that he was in, you can only give in the place that you are in financially. Paul could have gone around saying, oh, I wish I was out of prison so that I could tell those people about Jesus and those people and those people, but he couldn't. He could only do what he had with where he was. And you know, in exactly the same way, you can only give from what you have where you are right now. And it might be that as we've been heading towards these special offerings, that the car's broken and the fridge is broken and things are falling apart. Do you know what? God knows all of that. He knows what situation you are in and you only ever call to worship God from that place because you can't do it from anywhere else, can you? Does that make sense? So you can know joy in your chains, in your circumstances and that might be all sorts of different things. It could even be your finances and you know what? We are Centrepoint Church and it doesn't matter what circumstances or situation you are in, you're welcome here. You can get involved. You, you can come just as you are. And we want to encourage you to worship God from the place that you are in. And that might be in all sorts of different ways. And that includes with your finances. So that's joy in chains. There's also joy in unity. That's number two. And so chapter two, now we're in chapter, chapter two. Chapter two, verses one to four says this. 
Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but to each of you to the interest of others. See, what it, this is saying is that if you want to know joy today, then it's saying don't be selfish. Don't, don't argue with each other. Don't be controlling. Joy is found when we look to others' interests. You could put it like this. Don't look in, look out. Look to others. When we look beyond our own needs, beyond our own desires, beyond our own wants and to the interests of others, then we, that's where we can find joy. It goes on in chapter 2 to say in verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked generation. You see, there's joy to be found in our unity with one another. It talked earlier about being one, in one mind, one love, one spirit. And this should extend to every area, including how we treat each other, how we forgive each other, how we show concern for one another. And even when others annoy us or frustrate us or um, they just offend us in some way, there's a unity to be, to be had amongst the people of God that can be shown and revealed to the rest of our community. And... Um, it's really a simple principle to follow in life, to allow the transforming nature of God, his grace and his forgiveness that he's given us to extend to others. Not looking in, but looking at, out. And when it comes to the gift day this morning, it's possible to think two things. It's possible to think, well, everyone else will give. It doesn't matter if I don't play my part. I can just, I'll just stay back. I haven't really got much anyway, so there's no point. Or you might think, well, what's the point of giving? Because none of it's going to benefit me. It's all about doing courses for other people. It's all about you know, giving to the poor. Well, that's not me. It's all about, um, I don't know, I've already got a Bible. Why do I need the church to get more Bibles? I've already got one. And it's possible to think, well, this doesn't benefit me, so I'm not going to get involved. And I, would, I think I would encourage you, hey, no, come on, don't look in, look out. When God's people come together to give, Paul, again, he, he doesn't, he, in, throughout this whole uh, book, he doesn't really talk about uh, the gift but he always refers to the giver and their heart and their attitudes and he encourages us to give in unity. And so I want to encourage you, everyone has a part to play and it doesn't matter how small or big that part might be. I want to encourage you, you can all have a part to play. It's not about the amount, it's about the heart. And also that we are one church, that just because one group might have a focus one week and one group might have a focus another week, hey, that's okay, because we're all the church together in unity and we have a vision um, to see every life transformed by Jesus. You've been hearing this uh, over and over the last few years and we can't do that if we're not united in the call of God that God has given us. When we come to give, it's not about blessing one thing or the other, but it's about coming together as a church to look, not look in, but to look out and to see all that we can do through Jesus. And so this week, we're talking about extending the mission, and a key way that we want to do that is by serving our community. And on June the 1st, we're going to be running a community fun day. And uh, yeah, I think it's really possible for uh, people in our society to think about church and think, well, it's just all old people. Or they might think, oh, well, it's just really boring. Or they might think, well, it's just irrelevant. It's just, you know, this book that was written 2,000 years ago, I can't believe people still trust it and live their lives on it. What's the point? And I believe that actually as a church, we can show something very different. I mean, look around. We have ages from zero right the way through to like 
100. And uh, I'm not looking at anyone. <laughs> Eyes down. <laughs> and then, you know, and it's great because we can show an array of ages. And um, on the Community Fun Day, what I'd love to do, it's an event, it's 11 till 2. And uh, during the day, like picture the scene, we're, we're still working with the council exactly where it's going to be. So I won't tell you yet, but I'll give you that detail further down the line. But imagine a green space where you've got a live band in one corner with some tables around. There's like some gazebos where we're serving tea, coffee, cakes and soft drinks. Where we've got things like face painting and a youth zone for kids. Where we've got like a sports arena where, where people can play sports. Where you've got a bouncy castle assault course and... and Bouncy castles for little kids and bouncy castles for teenagers, where, um, yeah, it's just great music going on and refreshments. Maybe we're giving out burgers or, or ice creams to people, and, and all of it is free, where we can just gather the community together and, and just bless them and give them a great day together. And that's what I, I see us doing on June the 1st. It's a day where all of us as a church, we come together and we just come and serve our community. We're not trying to bog them down into conversations about Jesus. No, we just want to bless them. And just, hey, um, you know, just as we have received a gift of grace, which is Jesus, it's an undeserved, unearned, unmerited gift, we want to give a gift of grace in the form of burgers and ice creams as an unearned, undeserved, unmerited gift to our community. It's reflecting something of Jesus. And I am looking forward to the day where maybe a few months down the line where someone comes through our doors and and they say, oh, how did you find out about Centrepoint? And they say, oh, because I've got a leaflet from my door. Or because someone gave me an ice cream. Or I came along and my kids bounced on a bouncy castle. And I thought, oh, well, if, if, that, if those group of people are, can accept me, maybe God will accept me too. And I want people to see that. I want people to reveal that. Because I think that as we go out into the community and we just be kind and are gracious and show and show love that we reflect something of God and right there in that place they're probably not ready to hear the gospel so we're not going to stand there and start preaching at them we're just going to have some great music but when they come in they'll hear the gospel they'll hear the good news of Jesus and uh, and and this is the right context for them to hear that so we're not looking in we're looking out and after all Jesus is our greatest example of this Jesus being united uh, with God the Father and the Holy Spirit in unity, they decided that it would be better to send the Son Jesus to give up all the riches of heaven to come from heaven to earth to live. And uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians chap- uh, verse 5, so Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says this In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus did, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. This, the Son of God, Jesus, he died and forgave all of your sin. And now in him, you can know fullness of joy in this life by being of the same mindset, by being in unity with one another. There is much joy to be found 
in our unity and we are Centerpoint Church and we work together, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're a family who are together on a mission to see lives transformed in Jesus' name throughout the whole of this region. So that's joy and unity. Joy in the gospel. And you might think, oh, isn't that similar to joy and unity because we just talked about the gospel. And uh, well, let, let's just talk about it because for some people, confidence in God, so this is number three, by the way, Confidence in God's love and in his eternal plan, it can come from doing things, from what we might call works. The things that we do to try to please God and uh, the rules that we follow to keep God happy, like not swearing or not doing this or not doing that, they can be things that we can base our kind of uh, acceptance before God on. But the Bible tells us not to do that. In fact, Paul uses himself as an example. And so now in Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, he says, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in, he uses the word in the flesh. What that means is in themselves, in what they do. Then I have more. Because he says, look, he's basically talking about how he was like the best person. So he's like, he's circumcised on the eighth day, which was a key thing in in Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, which again was a key thing, a Hebrew of Hebrews, which was a key thing. As for the law, he was a Pharisee. That's someone who followed the law diligently. As for zeal, well, he used to persecute the church because he believed in, in God and he thought, well, Jesus, he, he can't be God. And so he used to persecute the church. And as for righteousness based on the law, well, I was faultless. So he, had, he has so much in which he can be confident in himself on. And, but he goes on and he says, but look, That's all dead religious stuff. The gospel is not about that. The gospel is about a relationship with Jesus. And so in verse 7, he says this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So his job, his education, his income, his status in society, all his confidence, he considers that loss. And he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness, not like having a goodness that comes out of my own situation, but uh, one that comes through faith in him. It's a righteousness that's based on faith. If you want to know abundant joy this morning, well, there is good news in Jesus and there is an abundant joy to be found in the gospel. It's not about following the rules, so don't put your confidence in that, but it's about having a relationship with Jesus, about knowing him. And knowing uh, him helps us to grow in our closeness of him and gives us joy. And because of this gift, people... People trust God and they choose to live the way that he encourages them to. They receive joy through knowing Jesus the Son. And then because of that, they actually choose to follow Jesus. So I know people, Christians, many people, who would choose to hold sex until they're married. Wow, that's outrageous, you say. Yeah, it is. But because they know Jesus and the gift that Jesus has given them, they think, you know what, I can even trust Jesus in this situation. And I know people who choose to be good citizens and to pay their taxes, even though they think, oh, this is ridiculous. Council tax, I mean, that's a shocker. Students, you wait until you have to pay council tax. It's, just, it's shocking. But hey, Christians can choose, hey, you know what, I'm going to give to the council. What's the councils? I'm going to do that because I trust Jesus in it all. And you know what, people, Christians, even can choose to give their money away. It's tough to do. They can choose to give their money away because they've known joy that comes from knowing Jesus. And... Um, uh, I want to tell you a little bit of story about me and Catherine in giving, and I don't do this to kind of boast in myself. It's, our, our elders were encouraging me, oh, no, you should, you should tell the story because it, it will 
help to encourage others. And so at uh, West Point, which is a family uh, gathering uh, where the church gets together with a bunch of other churches, uh, 4,000 in August, booking if you haven't already. Uh, last year we went to it and um, Catherine and I, there was like a special offering that was taking place at, at this camp. And uh, Catherine and I felt that God was putting a summoner on our hearts to give. And so we got to the evening where you do the giving bits and we, we gave. And uh, I then took the, the kids back to the tent to put them to bed. And whilst uh, Catherine uh, was there worshipping, she felt God saying that she should double that giving. And she, she came back and chatted to me. And I, I said, yeah, I, yeah, I've got faith for that too. And so that evening we, we went online and we, just, we doubled the amount that we gave. And then the next morning, we were in uh, worshipping and um, someone came and brought a word. There was some churches there from India and someone came and just said to the churches in India, oh, I feel God saying that he's going to double your leadership over this next year. And uh, God just seemed to speak to me and Catherine again and we just kind of turned to each other and, really? Yeah, no. And, uh, and so we then doubled again what, what we gave and so we had quadrupled. Uh, the amount that we originally were going to give. And you know what? We had joy in that. We thought, yeah, we're doing the right thing. And, and we, we, we knew joy in it. And um, a few days later, we got home. and to, we just moved house. And so we got home to this, this new house that we just moved into, into Guildford. And uh, we were like, oh, flip, there's a lot of work we could do on our house. And you're starting to count the cost then. Uh, but then like a day or two later, my mum rang me. And she said... Um, Oh, Chris, remember we used to live in Africa? I was like, yeah, yeah, that was like 20 years ago. Yeah, well, we had some land there, and that land sold, and uh, so I'm sending you some money, and the money that she sent us was double what we had given uh, in total. And we thought, oh, this is just ridiculous. Like, and do you know what? The, the joy didn't... I mean, don't get me wrong, it was joyful. It was, it was a good day. <laughs> but um, I think the joy didn't come from us... The, the good news story wasn't that we'd received money back. That wasn't the purpose. The, the joy was that we just, we just had faith in God. That, it came from a place of faith, not from guilt, not from manipulation, not from coercion, but in those meetings, we just felt faith-filled that, that we was right to give, and so we did. And I want to say again, if you feel, even by me telling that story, guilt or coercion or manipulation, please do not give. That's not how God would want you to, because he loves a cheerful giver and a generous giver. But I say it because God's economy is not our economy. When we go and we leaflet and we give someone uh, a leaflet or we give someone an ice cream, in years to come, that, they might end up coming to church, getting to know Jesus. They get saved. Their then family gets saved. And you think, how did one leaflet turn into that? It's because God's economy is not our economy. He does things that are disproportionate to the things we do. We have a little bit of faith and he can move like a mountain in some way. And you think, wow, how does that work? And we don't know. But God is gracious and he is kind. And uh, if you give today, I can't guarantee that he's going to give you back anything. He probably won't, in fact. In fact, most of the times that me and Catherine give, we give all the time, we don't get anything back. But there was just some situations where, in this one, it did. And um, our joy came from just knowing Jesus. We just trusted him in that situation. We had faith for something and we gave. And so it's easy sometimes. I said before, don't look in, don't look out also don't look back don't look back on what God has done and think well he can't really do that again no look forward in faith to what God might do what he might do through this church and the Philippian church did that they came before Paul they gave him money because they were looking forward to all that God might do through the mission uh, of him and and how that might work out and how that might press into new areas and 
out of that they came and they gave. And so they had joy and change, joy and unity, joy in the gospel, and all of that welled up to joy in giving, which is uh, the last point. And so, uh, yeah, their joy in giving worked out in several ways. First of all, they, it says this in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. They, they came, as they came to give, uh, Paul was encouraging them to rejoice, but that's what they're doing. They're rejoicing in every and every situation. They came and they rejoiced. And they were honest with God. So verse 6, it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. You know, the, these verses are encouraging us that as we come to give, that we should rejoice in, in God, but also we should be honest with him. Because life can be tough and we should come before him and we should talk to him and, and present our request to him and pray to him. And um, yeah, and that's what he encourages us to do. It also encourages us to dwell on him. It says verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely and admirable, think of these things. And so it's easy for us often to dwell on ourselves, to dwell on our lives, to dwell on our lacking and... Here, Paul is encouraging the church. Oh, no, come on. Don't look in, look out. Don't look back, look forward. But also, don't look down at your own mess, but look up. Look up to God and all that he might do. Um, think of the things that are admirable and praiseworthy and lovely. And uh, number four, be content with what you have to give. So... Um, it says this in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. That was a financial concern. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Isn't that an amazing verse? Often, have you ever said to someone, oh, I know you're going through a tough time, but you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You know, that ver the context of that verse comes right out of this passage, which is all to do with financial hardship. What Paul is saying is when you are lacking financially, when you're going through a tough time with your finances, he's saying, hey, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That is the context of those verses. And so in this situation, as we come to uh, a special offering, um, the, I suppose number four, I'm saying, hey, be content. You, you know, we talked about your chains earlier. You might not be able to give loads, and that's okay. Be content with what you have. Be, the situation, be content in the situation you're, you are in and be encouraged because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen? Okay. Offer it to God. Uh, Verse 15 says, Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance in the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church cared for me in the matter of giving and receiving except for you. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be accredited to your account. What Paul is saying is that he's saying, hey, be thankful for the gift that you're able to give, not for your own sake, but for God's sake. And offer it to God as an offering to him whenever people in the Bible come to give they give physically often to the church and to the people of God but they always give spiritually to God Jesus says it like this um, some people came and asked him Lord when did we see you hungry and need to feed you and the king will reply truly I tell you whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine you did for me when people come to give physically 
in the Bible, they give that physically money to the church, but spiritually it's always giving to God. So I want to encourage you, as today, as we come to give together, to offer your finances uh, physically to the church, but spiritually to God. It's a, it's a, yes, it's a gift to God for the work. And then lastly, he gets all the glory. Um, at the end of that, it says, To our God, our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you want to know that God has met... Oh, do you know that God has met every single need of every person who trusts in Jesus? Maybe not every want, but every need. And the way he's met that is through the son Jesus. He saved you and through Jesus you have power to walk a life pleasing to him. In Jesus you can know peace and joy and fulfillment and identity. He has forgiven you. He loves you. There is much richness in Christ's glory and you don't need to lack anything that you need because all can be found in Jesus. Let's get the band back up. Um, I've been talking today about these four things and how when we walk in the fullness of all that it means to be saved by grace, that we can know abundant joy. Joy in change, joy in the situation and the circumstances that God has placed us. Joy in our unity, joy as a church, we're on mission together as one. Joy in the gospel, in this free, unmerited, undeserved gift given through Jesus. And joy in our giving as we come and rejoice and we're honest with God and we give him thanks. We think of him. We're content with what we have and it's all for him and for his glory. You know, the Philippian church, they gathered together on this special occasion. They gave to mission uh, and to spread in the gospel. And the Exodus church, um, the Israel, Israelites, they gave to building the church. And the Macedonian church gave to serving the poor. And all these things we're doing today. And so what I would like us to do, Phil's going to lead us through that giving moment in a second. But what I'd love us to do is just to respond. So will you stand with me? I think it would be good for us to just take a moment before God, yeah, do start to play, Naomi. There's a moment here just for you to come and settle your heart before God. It might be this morning that... You just need to come and offer your life to him again. Maybe you just want to know his peace, his joy in your life. I want to encourage you this morning that as we just stand together in these, this minute to thank him for the place that he's placed you in. You might see it as a chain, but it's where he's placed you and you can serve him and worship him in that place. I want you to thank him, take a moment to thank him for the church, for the unity that we have between us. I want you to take a moment to thank him for the gospel, the amazing news that we have in Jesus. And take a moment to thank him for the, for the gifts we're going to give. Let me pray. Dear God, I just... Uh, Thank you for every single person in this room. Lord God, whether they're here for the first time or here for the millionth. Oh, I thank you, Lord God, that you gave up your son Jesus to come and be with us and live with us, to, that we could know a relationship with our Father. Thank you, Lord God, that by believing in him, we receive so such great riches in Christ. We receive peace and identity, value and significance. Thank you, Lord God, that 
We don't come before you by all the things that we do or don't do. No, no, we come before you through our relationship with Jesus. We thank you for that. And Lord God, it's from that place, it's from our relationship from Jesus, Lord God, that we come before you now this morning. We come to give to the work of the church. We come and give physically in this place, but we pray, Lord God, that you would receive it as praise and adoration to your name, as worship to you, because, Lord God, we do that from that heart, from that motive, Lord God, to bless you and honour you. So I just pray this morning, Lord God, as we are led through these next 15 minutes or so, Lord God, that you would be glorified and praised and honoured. Thanks for listening. Please do come and visit us Sundays, 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.